This is the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Sport Pens International Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. We have another great show for you. Before we welcome our guests, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. This helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents here on the WVSA Digital Network. We're so excited to have her back, Dr. Amy Bender, Director of Clinical Sleep Science at Cerebra, and our sleep expert, Dr. Bender. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. I like, I, I really like that uh, music that you had in the intro. It's, it's a bit different from last time. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. We're trying to improve the podcast every single time. So, <laughs> but thank Amazing. you. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're an extremely busy person and we love having you on because you are, like I said, you are our sleep expert. And uh, one of the things I, I believe is that our youth athletes miss out uh, of of having an advantage over competitors uh, based upon their sleep habits, and I think it's a it's a subject we need to talk about more, and we need to inform, we need to educate our uh, youth players. So, are you ready to answer some questions? Yes. Let me just say that I believe it's the most potent performance enhancer out there. So, I just want to start with that statement. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Now, you know, there's so many common sleep myths that are out there. Um, How can we correct them? And, you know, how do they apply to our youth soccer players? Give us a kind of an overview. Yes, I would say the number one sleep myth when it comes to adolescent athletes is teens are lazy for wanting to sleep in. Uh, That is definitely a myth. Um, You may think that way, but it has to do with biology. So when we hit, you know, 15 up to age 20 or so, it's kind of that peak in night owl nest. So our biology shifts to producing melatonin, that sleepiness hormone, later on. And so we're looking at about a two-hour delay in melatonin release when it comes to our teens. And so that is definitely a sweet myth that I see a lot Um, from coaches, some strength training coaches as well, think that, you know, they can schedule uh, early morning practices and the teams, they just have to go to bed earlier. And I would say that that's definitely a myth. They just aren't, you know, biologically ready for sleep at an earlier time. So we want to, as much as we can, help shift some of those training times to later if possible um, potentially get lots of light in the morning if we do have to get up early but in general yeah I see that, that, that's a myth that I see a lot um, I also see teenagers potentially thinking that they're you know they're a short sleeper they're in, it's in their genes they, they don't need enough they don't need to get 8 to 10 hours of sleep but um, in reality, it's a very, very small percentage of people that are true short sleepers where they're maybe getting, you know, five and a half, four and a half hours of sleep and, um, you know, not really having these performance impacts from that. 
and literally it's less than one percent of the population so the chances uh, that it's you is probably very slim so we want it for our kids who are between the ages of five and 12 years old we want to aim to get between nine and 11 hours of sleep for our teens 13 to 17 we want to aim to get between eight and ten hours of sleep and then for our adults you know 18 and up between seven and nine hours you bring up such a great point, especially the first one of, I know that there are some parents and that they think if their kids are sleeping a lot, you know, especially their athletes, that they are that that classified as being lazy and that type of thing. You know, I've told my kids, I you know, we tell them from a nutritional standpoint to listen to your hunger cues. I think a good example in this instance is listen to your sleep cues. I, I, it just makes sense. If you're, if you're, you know, tired, then you need that extra rest and, you know, they need to be thinking about their bedtimes and thinking about how much sleep that they're getting, uh, to perform. Now I know that there's a lot of players out there, um, that struggle with this. I struggle with it personally. We recently had daylight savings time happen and we sprung ahead. So we lost an hour. Um, of course, you know, a number of months from now, we're going to be um, falling back. So we're going to gain an hour, and yet it's going to kind of screw up our sleep patterns again. Can you give our players some practical advice on how to deal better with that transition, especially that loss of an hour? Yes, it is challenging. We do see a lot of, you know, even just general health impacts from this. So we see increases in heart attacks, increase in strokes more accidents uh, with the spring forward where we bring the clocks ahead and we lose an hour of sleep. And it's not just about that hour of sleep loss. It's also about circadian misalignment. So we're not getting as much light in the morning, which is kind of just messing with our body clocks. So the best thing to do, I mean, not fret too much. I mean, a teenager is not at high risk for a heart attack or anything along those lines. So trying to make up for that lost sleep across the week, which is one tip that I really like for athletes to do, is to, you know, try and get that core amount, uh, eight hours minimum at night if you can, and then um, make up for some of that lost sleep by potentially sleeping in a little bit on the weekend, maybe no more than 90 minutes, um, and then also trying to, you know, get in some naps uh, occasionally to try and make up for some of that sleep loss and potentially go to bed a little bit earlier. You bring up something that I want to transition into. Um, you talk about making up, uh, time on the weekend a little bit. Uh, I know a lot of our athletes obviously are up early in the morning to go to school, go to class. Um, and then of course, weekends, we want to sleep in, we want to catch up on that sleep. Um, I know some athletes have difficulties because, you know, you want to stay up later on a Friday night and a Saturday night, spend time with your friends, spend time with your family, go out and do things. Um, What are some tips that you can give to our athletes to enjoy being able to stay up a little bit later, maybe sleep in a little bit, but not do enough damage to their sleep pattern where it kind of messes them up in the middle of the week or during the week? That's a great question. I think it's it's unrealistic to ask, you know, teenagers to go to bed at the same time every night, even on weekends. So we do need to have strategies to help with that. And I will say that 
uh, social jet lag. So this is a term where your three-day sleep schedule is different than during the, the work week or the school week. And the more that this is different on the weekend, the more health impacts we see. So we want to, we do want to strive to keep it relatively consistent because when we look at those people who vary, let's say they sleep in till noon on the weekend, um, we start to see metabolic impacts. We start to see more mood problems. We even see poor academic performance. And so the sweet spot for that is about 90 minutes. So we don't want to potentially vary our sleep by more than 90 minutes, you know, throughout the week. So that could be going to bed a little bit later on the weekend, you know, sleeping in no more than 90 minutes or so, but then supplementing on the weekend with a nap to try and make up for, for some of that lost sleep accrued across the week. So fitting in naps into the equation is, is a way to make up for that as well, but not trying to, you know, go to bed at 2 a.m., sleep until noon, because by the time Sunday night rolls around, you slept until noon, you're not going to be tired at your normal time, and it just kind of leads to more sleep deprivation into the week. That's some great tips. I love that 90-minute window. I love that. Um, now, a big thing with our youth athletes, because of the generation that they're in and the technology that they're presented with, we have screens in front of us constantly. I'm looking at a screen right now. Um, we have cell phones. We have laptops. We have iPads. We have so many different technology things. And obviously, there's been so many articles written about it uh, in regards to blue light technology and, and, and disrupting sleep patterns. Talk to us a little bit about the problems about being on your phone right before you go to bed. It is. It, it can be problematic because it's not just about the blue light, which is alerting. So if you're looking at a screen really close to your face and the light is shining, you know, into your eyes, it's telling your brain to wake up, basically. And um, so it can be problematic in that regard if we're doing this right before bedtime when our melatonin is being produced, potentially. So it sends an alerting signal to the brain wakes us up, makes it more difficult to fall asleep and potentially could wake you up during the middle of the night. And it's also about what you're looking at that can cause problems as well. So it may be see something on social media that really gets you kind of amped up and just makes it more difficult to fall asleep. So it's not just about the blue light, but it's also about the content that you're looking at. Um, and I know there's some times where you have to do homework late at night so uh, having blue light blocking glasses to help uh, preserve some of that melatonin, I, I would recommend for, for teenagers and kids who, you know, then have to work on homework late at night. I wouldn't use it as an excuse to just play on your phone before bedtime, oh, I got my blue light blocking glasses, because it is about the content as well. But having that as a backup for instances where you do need to you know, stay up late and work on homework and be on a screen can be a way to help uh, mitigate that. But having a bedtime routine where, or sorry, a bedtime alarm where you set this alarm 
you know, 30 to 30 minutes to an hour before bedtime. And then just the best thing is to put away those electronic devices and then start a nice relaxing bedtime routine. I like that you bring up the blue light blocking glasses. That was actually a Christmas present that my daughter wanted uh, for Christmas this year. And she got, we got her a couple of pairs of glasses that she wears constantly when she's on her phone uh, in her dorm room and when she's doing homework late at night. And she says it has made a dramatic difference and improvement on her sleep patterns, which, uh, which I think is great. Um, if we struggle. That is amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I have a pair myself that I don't necessarily use it you know, every single night, it's only kind of in those instances. I mean, I, it wouldn't hurt actually if you wore them every single night um, because there is overhead light as well. It's not just about the screen. Um, you know, even our overhead lights can be waking us up. So yes, that's a great strategy. And I'm glad, I'm glad you uh, hooked her up with, with that gift. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we struggle to sleep, what are some tips that you would give to our athletes? I think number one, we want to look at how long has this been occurring? So it's, it's very normal for you to get a poor night's sleep every so often. You know, that's not a big deal. You're, you're, you'll make up for that, I think, across the week. But is this, is this chronic? Is this something that's been going on for, you know, at least three times per week? and it's been happening for three months, that's where we want to get help from a sleep professional. And uh, I helped develop the athlete sleep screening questionnaire. So maybe we can put a link in the show notes to get to that at centerforsleep.com. But um, that's a way for athletes to see, am I, do I need help from a sleep professional? Am I within the normal ranges? Or is this becoming more of a serious problem? And um, start with there, and, you know, if you do find that you are really struggling, to not try and solve these things on your own, but to really get help from a sleep professional. I think it's so important to that you emphasize that point, because sometimes I think we get into our heads that, oh, everybody has problems sleeping and it, you know, it's normal that I'm waking up a number of times a night and I'm not sleeping. Yeah, It's just, I'm getting older and whatever it is. I mean, even for our athletes and just, you know, I had a hard workout today and um, chronic problems, you know, can turn in, you know, because they're usually linked to something else. It's not just a, a, a really, I think, an, an isolated problem. Uh, the isolated problems that we have are usually temporary, but when, when you have this type of pattern over a number of months, usually there's some something else that's not right. Am I correct by saying that? Yes, yes, that is correct. Uh, we see with people struggling with insomnia who have a hard time falling asleep or maybe waking up during the middle of the night, you know, they'll try so many different things. They'll completely cut out caffeine. They will, you know, try and get some exercise, just try and do all the right things when it comes to sleep hygiene. But in reality, I mean, it's good to try those things, you know, but you're really not going to see results unless you go to a sleep professional who can help you change your thoughts around sleep and change your behaviors around sleep. So, yeah, it's really important to, um, 
you know, seek help from a sleep professional if you are really struggling with a sleep problem. And don't be embarrassed to ask for help. I, that's one thing we try to do in this podcast is if you're dealing with issues, whatever issue it is, whether it's a nutritional issue, whether it's a sleep issue, injury issue, uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, because you ask for help doesn't necessarily, you know, doesn't mean that you're weak in any way, shape or form. It means you're just taking a proactive approach to your life and and seeking the help that you need, whether it's mental health, whatever, any type of help. Do not be afraid to ask for help from a parent, from a coach, from a professional, whatever. Just ask, right? Absolutely. Yes, I love that. I I used to be the senior research scientist at Calgary Counseling Center. And, um, you know, it's really important if you're struggling with a problem to to get help and, you know, potentially run it by your parent first and then uh, definitely try and get help from a professional. Now, earlier you mentioned about sleep hygiene, and I'm sure this goes into sleep environment. Can you give us some tips that athletes can do to create a good sleep environment for them to to better their sleep? I love making changes to the sleep environment because it's a one-time change that is going to benefit you for the next, you know, years to come. So um, it's really, it may be a little daunting at first, but um, you're going to see benefits from there on out if you're able to make changes to your sleep environment. Having blackout blinds is good. So for me, I have a blackout shade that I pull down and blackout curtains that kind of go over that. So uh, I'm completely blocked out from any street lights that come into my room, you know, any maybe bright light in the morning as we're approaching the summer. I'm up here in Canada, so you do get a lot of light during the summer. So having um, blackout blinds, blackout shades is really important for your sleep environment. You want to have it cool dark and quiet like a cave so just imagine what what would it be like in that cave-like environment um so having protecting against darkness you could also have an eye mask as well which which i try and use every night and then having a quiet environment if possible um so maybe supplementing if you're on a busy noisy street maybe having some some white noise potentially or having earplugs that you can wear and then keeping that environment cool as well. So you want, um, you want, you know, moisture wicking, you don't want, you want to avoid heat. So you want cotton sheets, bamboo sheets, the, the sheets that are going to be uh, kind of wicking away some of that heat um, and having the temperature pretty cool as well. Uh, between, you know, 62 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a non-negotiable for me when I go to sleep. It has to be cool because if if it's not the, the, the proper temperature, I can't sleep. And I know in the middle of the night if I get warm, I know I'm waking up and, and it just has to be the, the cooler, the better for me, <laughs> but I know, mm-hmm. but I know everybody, mm-hmm. but I know everybody's different in regards to that. So very important to make those changes uh, for our athletes. All right. As we kind of wrap things up here, Dr. Bender, um, if, if you could just kind of give us one tip, one helpful hint, what, what one thing should our youth soccer players uh, maybe focus on, on how to get better sleep? 
I would say napping is a really great strategy for athletes and teenagers in general. And um, because we know that the benefits of naps help reduce our sleepiness, it heightens our alertness, increases our concentration, and even helps with motor performance if you're an athlete. Um, it can also boost mood. And not many athletes are really taking advantage of this. So even at the uh, Canadian national team level, who I was working with athletes on that level, you know, only about 80, only about 20% were napping one or two times per week. And the rest were not, you know, napping at all or napping less than that. So it's, uh, it's really important to try and incorporate naps into your routine, keep it as a part of your training schedule. And I know that can be pretty challenging for young athletes who are going to school, have training, you know, then have homework, et cetera. But even just a 10-minute nap is going to create a lot of these benefits. And so scheduling in a nap when you can, if you're traveling to, to a site, you're on a long road trip, definitely nap during that time. And um, trying to keep the uh, timing of that nap between around 1 to 4 or 5 p.m. And um, making it not too close to bedtime, but also incorporating, you know, having that good environment if you can, the cave-like environment, and having techniques to help you fall asleep as well. So potentially writing a to-do list, um, having some breathing techniques that you can utilize. And even some cognitive techniques as well. So having uh, the cognitive shuffle, which I mentioned last time. So think of a word such as bedtime. Imagine all the objects that you can that start with B, ball, baby, bus, banana, and then move on to the next letter, E, eagle, egg, ear. Um, and so having some of these techniques that will help you fall asleep during the day and even be able to utilize those at night as well are going to be really, really useful for athletes. And so I would say I will leave you with trying to get a nap during the day and trying to add that into your schedule is going to be a game changer. I find it so amazing that when we were young and little, we fought that nap. We didn't want to go take a nap. We didn't want to do anything. (laughs) We thought something good was going to happen while we were napping. No, not right now. I'm playing. And then, of course, as the older you get, oh, I can't wait to have a good nap. (laughs) I have a three-year-old right now, so I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Wonderful. Dr. Bender, thank you so much for coming on our program today and talking to us. Uh, She's a wonderful follow on Twitter. Uh, Where can they find you? I am at Sleep4Sport. That's the number four. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Like I said, she's a wonderful follow. We follow her, and that's actually how we found Dr. Bender was uh, was on Twitter, uh, just uh, putting out lots of great content, lots of great information, and uh, lots of valuable stuff for our athletes. And Dr. Bender, we thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us about our sleep schedules and how to better them. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully I can come on again down the road. That sounds good. We'll definitely have you back. And thank you for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Remember, make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program here on the WVSA Digital Network.
Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network or find us on our social media platforms at WV Soccer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.